What Are You Laughing At? The British Comedy Guide podcast coming to you this week with a microphone. My name's Dave Cohen, and first of all, I'd like to apologise for the sound quality last time. Uh, we thought that if we all talked loudly enough, you would hear it. But we now do have a mic, and joining me today to discuss everything that's happening in the world of British comedy right here, right now, is one half of the madcap double act who created the living, breathing behemoth that is the British Comedy Guide. It's Aaron Brown. And also with us here to discuss the uh, imminent release of his brand new movie which is called Huge, and uh, he wrote it with Ben Miller. It's about a comedy double act with ambitions to be the best comedy double act in the world. simple problem they have is they're not funny. So please welcome the only person that I will ever introduce as a writer, comedian, sitcom actor, art curator and dentist. It's the wonderful Simon Godley. Hello, Dave. Lovely to be here. And it's lovely to have you here, Simon. Is this why, is this why dental appointments are always running so late that you're off doing interviews. Yeah, that's true. I've got someone with a bit of local anaesthetic in the moment, so I, I can't stay for too long. Um, Mrs. Cosman is... Um, <laughs> she's a very nervous patient, and I don't want to... Anyway, let's, I, I shouldn't have mentioned her name, but never mind. That's right, that All right. I but, think you uh, told me about Mrs. Cosman once, wasn't it? When I you were, uh, you, you I were doing the Harry Enfield show or something. Yes, you? that's and very she true. She refused to change her dental appointment. That's right. Unless I, recording. That's true, unless I promised to treat her free for the rest of her life. Right. How old was she at the time? She was in her 80s, and <laughs> it is her, <laughs> she's no longer with us now, so luckily I don't have to rush back. That oh, book's good. made up about Mrs Cosman uh, going back for the local anaesthetic. OK, well, we're going to begin the show. We'll, we'll be talking to uh, Simon a bit later about his uh, movie. Um, ooh, big word, isn't it? It sounds so exciting. Movie. Simon's made a movie. Brilliant. But um, we're going to begin with uh, comedy news. And um, first, um, sad news about another Simon, uh, the lovely Simon Brint, who, with uh, Roland Riveron, formed the classic double act Raw Sex. Simon uh, died last week, aged 61. Now, Raw Sex, I think, I don't know if you remember this, Simon, mm. uh, they, they were the, the house band at the comic strip, is that correct? They, That's right. When Nigel Planer and Peter Richardson went off from the comedy store to yeah. set up the comic strip, and they took Rick Mail and Aid Edmondson mm. as the Dangerous Brothers and, and Alexi Sale, and they wanted it to be more than just a, a mm. stand-up uh, show, didn't they? So um, Raw Sex was born then, I think, and... Uh, they they marvellous, of course. They went on to do French and Saunders show on TV. People tend to think about uh, think of uh, Roland uh, as uh, smashing around with the uh, around his congas and, and uh, the lager cans, but uh, as, as the funny one. But Simon was always thought he was just as funny, very mm. in a very sort of deadpan way. Very dry, yeah. Yeah, and he's just sit there impassively. Um, they were the sort of classic double act with that sort mm. of modern twist, weren't they? But. Uh, both, of course, are exceptionally talented musicians. And mm. um, I bet Simon, I knew him quite well in the 80s. So we worked together a few times, had some nice uh, Edinburgh nights as well. A truly lovely bloke, really. And he's so, a composer as well. That's he? right, yeah. Very successful composer of TV themes. Um, and um, a lot of the raw sex music. I'm not mm. sure how much composing went into <laughs> that. But uh, so. Farewell then to Simon Brint, one half of Raw Sex, and there's not many people you can say that about. Other news that's happened this week, uh, or may or may not have happened, we read about it in The Sun, so it must be true. Matt Lucas and David Williams are not working together anymore, (coughs) apparently. And then Matt Lucas immediately tweeted to say, it's not true, we are still working together. But 
Come Fly With Me, uh, which was very successful, wasn't it? It got huge audiences, yes, but they don't, yes, there doesn't seem to be another series happening just yet. Can you enlighten us uh, on this Yes, there's a, there's a bit of confusion over this one at the time of recording. Some sources are reporting that the show has been axed by Matt and David whilst others uh, report that they are merely putting off working on it whilst they are concerned with other projects. Um, I saw one source quoting uh, early 2012 as when they were due to start writing now. So we'll see what happens in amongst the Matt Lucas Awards and Wall of Fame. Yes, well, obviously they're very, very busy with those two extremely high-profile shows there. I wish this was this. This I also almost feel like um, the newsreader now. I feel oh. like I should have. I feel like I just threw over to Aaron standing outside <laughs> Television Centre there. Uh, oh, which reminds me, actually, we haven't mentioned, have we? Uh, television Centre being sold off. Um, yeah. Any thoughts about that? And there was a lot of people going, "Oh, this is terribly sad. This is awful." Uh, this was on Twitter, and then very quickly, a lot of people who said, "Well, I worked there." and <laughs> Quite frankly, I'm delighted to be shot at the place. Yeah. Yeah. You, you spent a lot of time there, Simon? I have spent a lot of time there, but I mean, for, for those of us who have at various points have tried to go in and submit ideas and get things on, there's certain points where you've wanted to burn the place down anyway um, <laughs> and just have complete anarchy and uh, set up your own... You know, if in fact, funny, there's an opportunity, I suppose, to if they're knocking it down, to set up another one. <laughs> that might be an idea. Yeah. Also... To be in awe of this uh, magnificent mm. building, I think that's that's. But uh, shortly before you go out cursing mm. the person who that's true who, um, beat you down with their yes maybes I like this, but mm. there is definitely a a, a, ex, a, a free sod of excitement. I think when you go in there pitching yeah. your new idea or that's doing true. your two that's lines true. on uh, such and such a program, but um, so you're not you're not mm. bothered, no. Um, Aaron, uh, I've, I've got mixed feelings. Uh, I expect, like many people, grew up with it as being the symbol of British television, British entertainment. Mm. Um, you know, it featured heavily on half of the kind of kids' entertainment programmes that I watched, from you know, Blue Peter to things like Live and Kicking in the nineties. For so many people. It is the embodiment yeah. of entertainment industry in this country. We don't have True. a Hollywood yeah. sign, mm. which is sort of stands for the stands for the logo of of American entertainment. We have TV Center. Everyone knows the side of Studio One. You know, it's emotive of um, all those kind of glamour of entertainment and the memories of childhood for a lot of people. It is. It's that. You know, but it is. A, you know, it's a. It's a, you know, it's a brand. <laughs> it's a brand that was sort of known for sort of innovation and all the mm. every comedy show that we reminisce about and stuff. Yeah. Most of them have probably been on BBC One, but I, and, I, and of course, it also you know, provided a sort of place where a load of people got trained up, and suddenly someone who had been a um, PA to someone at you know News at Six, or suddenly is now the head of comedy at some some huge. Uh, well, I mean, outside. of course, uh, John Sullivan is the, the famous one who wasn't he yeah. who managed to get a job shifting scenery around yeah. in the donut of studios, and uh, he he got in that way. And so, well, for people start trying to get in, I suppose it, there was always that hope that you could go and make tea, and then yeah. somehow work your way through. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 
Uh, Andy Ailiff, who was a radio producer. Do you remember Andy, Andy Ailiff? Ailiff? He yeah. started as a tea boy at uh, BBC, went on to be, become a producer. Yes, oh, oh well, I, I'm, I'm uh, getting a bit emotional now. There. A very eloquent um, speech there from Aaron in, in favour of why we should feel good about it. I, I remember a, a, a Hancock, actually, that uh, watching it, not the first time, I hasten to add, but <laughs> in repeat. Um, mm. And every time I go past that, point in TV centre, which is not very often, uh, but I always think, oh, that's where they filmed that bit in Hancock, where mm. he gets thrown out of the lift. Um, okay, well, we'll move on then to our last piece of news, which is uh, hot off the press, uh, we can reveal, exclusively, except that by the time this goes out, everyone else will know about it. Uh, BBC Four are making a docudrama coming out in the autumn, um, it's the uh, story of the life of Brian, not the film, but the, the furore surrounding it. Now, it's been uh, it's been written by Tony Roach, a brilliant comedy writer, of course, uh, thick of it, and uh, was uh, instrumental on shows like Sunday Format on the radio. Um, now, it stars various um, comedians or comic actors playing the the, the Python people, and uh, I'm going to do a little test actually, see if Simon mm. uh, knows. Um, <laughs> who the people are going to be? Right, I've got I've got the list here of who's playing who. Um, we'll I start. can't read your writing right. anyway. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting my hand. If this was TV, you'd see I was doing that thing that we used to do at school when someone tried to cheat the answers. Um, we, the, I'll give you the easy one first of all. Who yeah. is playing? Who do you think from the world of comedy, our world of comedy, is playing yeah. Eric Idle? Who would well, that it, be? it would it would be. Uh, Punt of uh, Dennis yeah. and Punt. Oh, very correct. Steve Punt. He is. Yes, you got it right. That's Fantastic. very good. That's yes, your easy starter. Oh, um, now they get slightly more difficult. Uh, who do you think is playing John Cleese? Oh, that is. Um, I think the only clue that I it could would have to be give, tall, wouldn't it? Yeah, tall, tall is kind of all the tall and slight jutting chin. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Am yeah. I? You're am doing I well here. Yeah. Tall, jutting chin, <laughs> jutting chin. Yeah. Okay, it's um, not Bruce Forsyth. No, no. <laughs> I'd like to see Bruce Forsyth play. In fact, funny, no, Bruce Forsyth playing uh, John Cleese. Please, that's great. That sounds like that a, a comic bizarre. strip, comic strip movie, doesn't it? <laughs> Starring Bruce Forsyth as John Cleese and Al Pacino. <laughs> As um, Terry Gilliam. I've got. I've gone blank. I'm not really yeah, okay. Uh, helping. Okay, you. I'll give you some more clues. What's he been in? He was in Green Wing. Does that help you at all? The one with the moustache. No, no. no. You're not thinking, Mark. No, you're thinking Mark, Mark Heap. No, it's not Mark Heap. Not Mark Heap. No, not Mark Heap. No, younger. It's Darren Boyd, anyway. Oh, so. Darren Boyd. Yes, okay. <laughs> well, so, cast, um, very good. We're not, right, okay, I'll just do a couple more. It's going to be terrible. It's like <laughs> a stretch yeah. out an hour's programme with me <laughs> yeah. trying to just remember anyone's name. Okay, that's okay. all we got time for, so uh, joining us <laughs> next time. Okay, well, actually, I don't know if you'll get the others. Uh, Terry Gilliam, uh, I'll give you a clue. He's someone who's been around on the circuit for many, many years. He was with he was with a musical triple act for a while, and he's now... Corky he and the... Parent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, pigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Phil Nickel. Correct, Phil Nickel. Very is good. It? Terry Gilliam. Phil oh, Nickel. That's very good. Jolly good. And the last one we'll do is uh, Terry Jones. He's being played. He might. This is quite slightly more difficult one. Um, he's from. I always uh, thought Mark Kelly. Do you remember Mark <laughs> Kelly? It's <laughs> a bit like Terry Jones. Uh, but yes. that's a no. Mr. Yeah. Nasty. Mr. Nasty. No. Not Mr. Nasty. Lilo Ross. Uh, <laughs> 
No, this is um, this is going down a uh, this is going down a cul-de-sac route, okay. and this is going to be a conversation that only Simon and I will find funny, <laughs> okay. and will be very, very, very dull for everyone else. Okay, um, fair enough. You, won't, you may down. not know him. I think he was in a group. I think uh, was it Dutch Elm uh, Conservatory? Uh, it's Rufus Jones, anyway. Oh, Rufus so Jones, right. yes, I think I think it's time to put an end to this uh, this. Uh, 20 questions, <laughs> celebrity 20 questions from the world of comedy. Anyway, it's on BBC4. It's possibly Sounds fun. Sounds doesn't really it? Fun, yeah. <laughs> Potentially be the last. The life of Bright, exactly. Greatest yeah. sort of mm. comedy of. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I th- I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah. And Tony Roach, brilliant, of course. Tony Absolutely. did uh, World of Pub, of course, um, on radio oh, and cool. TV. Um, so it should be a good, funny script as mm. well. Is it going to be the last comedy show that BBC4 make? We don't know. Uh, we're going to talk about um, things that are coming up. We've got um, coming to uh, Soho Theatre. I'm sorry for those of you who aren't anywhere near London, but uh, Rita Rudner is doing a run at the Soho Theatre. She was a very uh, top stand-up in the 80s and 90s. She plays Las Vegas now, but she's still very funny. Um, other things that are coming up on... Uh, we've got um, Cabin Pressure, I'm very excited about. That's coming back on Radio 4, Fridays from the 1st of July, 11.30am. And, in fact, our guest in two weeks' time is going to be the wonderful John Finnamore, uh, writer and creator and star of Cabin Pressure. Um, so that's great to know we've got him coming. Everyone Quite Likes Justin, that's Justin Morehouse's um, sitcom that uh, returns on the 29th of June on Radio 4. And looking forward to that. There's a documentary coming up on Radio 2, um, a three-part documentary uh, hosted by Barbara Windsor about funny women. That's from the 5th of July, 10pm. Just uh, We've been going through all the various things coming up uh, on, on, on the BCG website, and um, there doesn't seem to be anything coming through on telly. The only interesting stuff seems to be coming through on radio. Have you noticed that, Aaron? Yeah, there are quite a few um, television programmes coming later in the year. Uh, notably, uh, there are quite a few coming through on Sky to their appointment of Lucy Lumsden, BBC Comedy Controller, to their own ranks. Uh, in the coming couple of months, there isn't much that is, has been publicised and dated um, Channel 4 are about to launch their new comedy drama, Sirens, um, which is based on the blogs of a yeah. real paramedic. Right. Um, Rhys Thomas is in that, isn't he? Yeah, oh, Rhys yeah. Thomas, Kyvan Novak. And I think they're, they're hoping that will be uh, very much uh, green-wingy, I suspect. Right. Um, and pick up... Uh, pick a new, up a new word in the English language there. Green-wingy. We're looking for something green-wingy. <laughs> <laughs> OK. And I... I have, I have no doubt that that has been used in Channel 4 offices. Um, and apart from that, there is very little imminent on television. Mm. Mm. Why do you think that is? Uh, I, know, I know, obviously, they like to save their big shows for September or whatever. But well, mm. you say that, but then um, the first series of extras was broadcast in uh, what, what one would have thought was a dead-end summer slot... June to August, uh, you know, some very peculiar things pop up around this time of year. So we'll um, see what is announced in the next couple of weeks. As for reasons why, well, anyone's guess really. Uh, numerous factors: the the cost of producing on radio, of course, 
just starting to come into the commissions of the new BBC One controller as well. So mm-hmm. there's been a bit of a bit of a uncertain period, so to speak, where we've been just filled up with stuff that had already been produced and made. There isn't anything like the, there isn't anything like the pilot season in the. In the States, where once a year there's a huge splurge of, no. of stuff, is there? It's a different world, really, isn't it? I mean, I mean I'm not saying we could do what they do in America just because it, it is so no, much no, more no. of an industry, isn't it? But yeah. it's, a very, it's an industry that, that runs to a very strict timetable in the States, mm-hmm. isn't it? You get your pilot season, which is around about now, isn't it? Um, and yeah. then... Uh, then they all go away and discuss which shows they want to make, and then they, they make the, but they July make, and August they make they make they start to make the first go. four, don't they? And then and then in September, after two or three episodes, it becomes clear what's going to go forward and what isn't. Um, I mean, the journey for most successful programmes getting on has never been sort of like from going through some points from A to Z. It's always been sometimes by by yeah. accident, and the yeah. more you look back at every. Successful show that's been on. It's through, been through, you know, a mixture of mm. determination, luck, and um, um, and accident. Mm. And I mean, but it'd be interesting. We're going to talk about uh, Lee Mack's new show in a moment. Mm. But um, the way that um, Danny Cohen, who's taken over as the controller of BBC One, mm. and obviously has, likes Lee Mack, and it's also possibly looking to um, make Lee a sort of BBC One star in the way that Peter Fincham was trying to do, I think, with, with, with various people like Omid mm. and um, mm. Armstrong and Miller. And maybe that's, um, you know, so that when each new controller comes on and they... they they're they stuck with whoever the first one has uh, picked us. <laughs> Partly, yes, but mm. um, they... Um, and they that, that's, I think, a new controller does, as, as Aaron mm. pointed out, there's always, um, there's always a kind of lull period, I think. So maybe maybe we can look forward to more... Um, as we say, in the autumn. So in the meantime, switch on your radios because that's where all the best stuff is going to be. This is our section where you, the BCG listener, tells us what you think. We've got uh, reports on various shows. We're going to start with In With The Flins, which is the new family sitcom on BBC One. That's been created by, amongst others, um, Bert Tyler Moore and George Jeffrey, who wrote for My Family, and Daniel Peake, who's a very successful uh, sitcom writer, who's written a lot of uh, episodes of uh, shows, some, some more successful than others, but hey, that's life. Now, there's been a broadly negative response, I'm afraid, from the BCG forum. Um, some people seem to accept it for what it is, a broad family sitcom, rather than not what it's not trying to be, i.e. clever and thought-provoking. Um, some have commented, it's, uh, here's one comment from Joey Moose, it's not that bad, better than After You've Gone, My Family and Life of Riley, not great or cutting edge by any means, but just okay. Some of the characters were actually likeable as well, unlike the other sitcoms I've mentioned. Uh, Godo Taxis says, I thought this was pretty good for what it was, a BBC sitcom genetically modified to not offend anyone. That's uh, Whether that's praise or Damning. not, I'm not sure <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Will Miller is pretty underrated, in my opinion. He makes something of every line he gets. Yes, that's true. Lots of work there on his part. Great to see Warren Clark too. Dan Swerich says, I agree with taxis here. I think taxis being short for Godot taxis. Certainly wasn't as bad as I expected it. Again, more more damning praise there. But uh, 
Uh, it's a bit clunky, but expect that to be ironed out in the rest of the series. There was enough to watch again. Will Meller is an excellent comic actor. I thought he was okay before, but in White Van Man, he's pitch perfect, and his delivery in this was spot on too. Expecting more of Craig Parkinson, who plays his twin brother. There's potential for some very good banter between the two of them. Um, in With the Flins was a, is a remake of an American sitcom from Fox, uh, Warner Brothers, called Grounded for Life, which was uh, exact by Karen Manderback, who uh, now works in Britain. David, 2006, said, This is a basically a British version of Grounded for Life, complete with twin boys and dopey brother. Unfortunately, on the evidence of to date, this is nowhere near as funny as the original. We'll move on now to Lee Mack's show, and I think uh, Aaron has got some notes there, so do you want to Yes, read uh, Lee Mack's All-Star Cast. This is the new Saturday Night Variety series on BBC One. Uh, we're only one episode in so far, but it seems to have gone down relatively well. Uh, one comment which uh, seems to have been made by a few people, was the shortness of the stand-up set, which was provided by Stuart Francis. With his uh, kind of slow-burning style of punnery, the the set, I didn't actually time, but it can't have been much more than about two and a half to three minutes, maybe. Um, It it wasn't uh, long enough um, for him to really build up the audience and... uh, get it going so it, I, I didn't think it really reflected well on him which is a shame because obviously anyone who's seen him perform longer at his own pace knows he is a talented performer with the, with that uh, punning style of gags that he and uh, Milton Jones specialise in but um, yes uh, Anonymous was at the recording and commented that Stuart's set was only marginally longer Thank you, Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> Sidecar John wonders whether Lee could forge himself a position as a cheeky straight guy interviewer <laughs> in balance to Alan Carr and Graham Norton's positions as the cheeky gay. He comments, even Jonathan Ross has become a parody of Jonathan Ross nowadays. <laughs> cheeky um, straight man, that's a good idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I think generally as you get older you become a parody of yourself anyway. <laughs> I think so. Certainly, if you're on telly enough as yeah. well, I think uh, yeah. Pretty much the only negative comment was uh, Red Z three three three, who said, "Take out Lee Mack and you've got a shit show. Put him back and you've got a shit show with Lee Mack in it." Rather ironic. It started with Skinner on the show. Didn't he once host a similar style flop? Mm. Well, I can almost I can almost see the curled lip sneering as that person typed that there. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Skinner did a show like that, didn't he? Um, yes, it's... Um, yes. <laughs> Comedy performer, try something different. Well, shock horror. That's all the reports we've got for shows. Just worth pointing out that nine new series actually started on TV and radio, or returning series, last week. Only one was a sitcom, and that was the last series of my family. Uh, James Carey, one of our regular co-hosts on this show, if he was here now, he would be steam would be coming out of his ears, I'm sure. Uh, but it is a bit depressing, isn't it? It's uh, That's terrible. Isn't it's it? basically all panel shows and yeah. stand-up shows now, isn't it? But is that half of them seem to be exactly the same format. You've got mm-hmm. um, Wall of Fame, which is kind of a, a Seems to be a pinch of 
celebrity juice and a little bit of a league of their own, uh, along with a bit of eight out of ten cats. Which also um, came back this week. Yes, it did. Um, and there's uh, Claudia Winkleman's new Channel 4 series, King Of, which is essentially Channel 4 preempting the BBC's own television adaptation of Matt Lucas's And the Winner Is, both of which have been compared as the reverse of Room 101. So, well, that would be Room 101, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or 101 room, I suppose. <laughs> right, so we'll move I, I on. I like what you did there, Dave, by the way. <laughs> Thank I just you, worked Jim. it out. It's Thanks, good, good, though. It's good, though. It's good. I'm glad to know my subtle wordplay is not completely lost on everyone. <laughs> now, let's move on to our special guest. Yes, we've already introduced Simon Godley. Um, as I'm still before. here. He's still here, <laughs> and he has been interjecting on my right at various points. And so, well, we go, we're going to talk about Huge. Can, can you say in a better way than I managed at the beginning, what, what yeah. is Huge about? Well, Huge, uh, Huge was inspired almost, probably 18 years ago. By, I'm going back in time to sort of trying to do a sort of quick line description. But it was inspired by an attempt by me and Ben Miller to come up with a show for Edinburgh. And we started to sort of put this thing together. It was being uh, it was, uh, directed by Jez Butterworth, went oh. on to do uh, all sorts of things. But oh. uh, we found that we disagreed on almost everything. And we found so much time that actual fact that became funnier than what we were trying to write. So in actual fact, what, what kind of evolved in a, in a funny sort of way was this idea of two young blokes who are fiercely ambitious in different ways each have a different vision of what huge is and unfortunately neither of them are that talented so they spend most of the time arguing about how big they're going to be it's rather like arguing over a lottery ticket before you've actually gone out to to actually buy the thing so that's the sort of rough the rough idea that isn't the, the story but that's the right did you actually do it as a show in Edinburgh? We did. We did it as a show in Edinburgh. Uh, we uh, we performed it up there. We wrote the last act on the uh, train on the way up to Edinburgh in the way that uh, these things sort of often happen. Well, at least the train was a lot slower back then. So yes, it was. Time. So it was a very long third act, funnily <laughs> enough, probably too long. And how how did it go down? Well, it, well, it, it went down. <laughs> it went down very well. There was a sort of certain. There were certain sort of disagreements on certain things along the way that happens when you, you know, we were very young, it's a long time ago. I've described this as the last comedy love affair in a double act that Ben had before he got married to Alexander Armstrong. Okay. So if you like, Huge was the kind of the love child after that summer <laughs> of love or, uh, or disagreement. Uh, you're, you're it did, I, I haven't answered the question. It did all right. It, it did very well. <laughs> it did very well. We went and did a little mini tour afterwards. Yeah. And uh, uh-huh. then... And then um, we had an idea of making it into a film at the time, and uh, then it sort of went it sort of went quiet for about um, fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, presumably, guessing here that uh, well, mm. uh, obviously Ben then went on to, uh, as you say, he he kind of spurned the uh, exciting life of the possibilities of. Uh, Shacking up with Simon and uh, yeah, I thought you were going for the sturdy, dependable uh, yeah. Xander Armstrong. Exactly, he um, went down the de- exactly yeah. he went down the dependable route, and you know mm. they've done all right. You know, yeah. Uh, so is this is this right Ben's midlife crisis then? Um, I think this is Ben probably 
looking back and thinking, you know, that last fling I did just before I got married, maybe I should go back and... No, 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 it's, it's, it's a crazy idea. I've got a good, steady relationship. We've got our own show. We've got, we've got lots of kids. We've produced all these programmes. Maybe I should just go back and... Yeah, maybe me might not even be interested. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe it was a bit of that. I'll never know. But uh, <laughs> you can always ask him. I will ask him, yeah, but uh, yeah. he might not. You know, the truth might be too painful. No, so no, it's maybe, I think it's, it's quite yeah. good to stay in a level of denial and nice, comfortable. But realistically, no, Realistic. no offence to no. you, Simon. You've had a, 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 a brilliant and, and, and uh, very, very interesting career. But uh, <laughs> uh, it would not have happened without. Ben. Miller's no, that's very level true. Of I have got to absolutely. If it hadn't been for uh, Ben's level of success, this would not have happened. Right. So that was absolutely superb. And um, from from that point of view, it was a, um, it was great fun to uh, get together and uh, and uh, rejig it into a film. Because of course, the film format is totally different from a play. And it went from me and Ben on stage arguing. And some off-stage arguing, I should say, and uh, to basically um, a cast of God knows how many uh, it suddenly escalated. How, how and, did you uh, open it out then? I think well, the we, I think the opening out is that uh, in, in a play you do a lot of talking about stuff, and in a film you can actually show it without all that talking. Yeah. So we opened it out a bit, uh, a bit that way, and we kind of tried to follow the the dream based on. It was good to re. It was very good to revisit it after such a long break because at that stage when Ben and I first came up with the idea we both had we both had ideas about how big we'd like to be and uh, how you know I mean career wise if you like as comedians and so we didn't really know anything so it was quite good after years of some success some bitterness all sorts of things to go and revisit it and put um, dreams versus reality and uh, put that into the film how, how much uh, did you have to update it in terms of the historical setting of 1992 as opposed well, to Funny enough, we made absolutely no attempt to update it in the sense that the, the story remains the same. People have yeah. dreams about stuff and, uh, and that's it. So there were, we did, you know, I think, um, there were, um, I don't think, that, you know, we maybe put the old mobile phone in, but apart from that, I don't think it's possible to work out when it's set. Uh, and that was a, that was a sort of conscious decision as well. We, we wanted it to be a, um, you know, when you do these things, you have all sorts of plans for how it is. At the beginning, you want it to be a, a timeless parable with great insight into humanity and takes you on a journey up here and down to the pits and then up again. And after making the thing, you just don't want it to be shit. <laughs> but um, in actual fact, I think that uh, it, it pretty much adheres to the sort of to the to the sense of the uh, play and. Um, and, and there are chunks of it in there. You've done it. It's, it's been uh, doing the festival circuit for a while, hasn't it? it? Has. What sort of responses have you been getting? We've, it, it's difficult to say because there's a festival circuit's very sort of kind of cut off from from uh, you know the, the real world. The movie-going public. Yeah, one of the things was I mentioned quite early on is that uh, it's a comedy about two blokes at the very beginning of their career, and at the beginning of your career. Um, Although you might be the funniest bloke at school or the funniest bloke at work or the wittiest bloke or person or woman or whatever in your group of friends, uh, the reality is when you actually start to do it, suddenly it all starts to go wrong. 
And um, in actual fact, the two main characters, we purposely didn't want to show them being hilarious. We wanted to show them uh, suffering a bit along the way. So there were some reviews that perhaps didn't quite get it and thought, well, that's interesting. We've got a, a film about a comedy double act, and the comedy double act aren't funny. Oh, well, I want my money back. So there are a few who are a bit uh, annoyed about that. Um, they, they, maybe they didn't get it. Maybe, uh, maybe we didn't put it across. Right it's a here. difficult one, isn't it? Mm. Comedy about comedy is, you know, it's no, notoriously difficult, isn't it? To well, it is. How, it's how it's a you, genre. You know, now, how do you it? balance that? Uh, well, I think what happens is that we all have, uh, you know, people who perform together, and comedians have. The, the, you know, there's a folklore that builds up, and we have stories about people that we knew and the, the most horrific death that they had, and people like, say, Malcolm Hardy, who mm. you know, um, sadly died a couple of years ago, who were legendary. They were legends in their own lifetime. Mm. Sometimes the stories are, 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 are funnier than the reality. Those long journeys stuck in stuck in the back of a car with someone you didn't really want to share the car journey with for yeah. 18 hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, when reported, they're funny. So I suppose... Um, it is a, uh, it is a difficult. Um, I suppose it is difficult to write about comedy, but that's the world that we knew about, so that's what we wrote about. Yeah, because you started in a, a double act. Um, I remember with um, Phil Clark, who is Phil now, Clark. of course, the uh, producer or the head man at uh, Objective mm. Produ- Productions. And uh, are you still in touch with Phil? I'm still in touch with uh, Phil. We were we were both at school together, oh, and right, we okay. we, funnily enough, earlier probably. 15, earliers, 15 years earlier than writing Huge, uh, originally with Ben, um, me and Phil used to wander around this, uh, this park near the school thinking that one day, you know, we're going to be huge. So the, the conversations about being huge, I've seemed to spend a lot of time having conversations with people about how big uh, we're going to be. Um, Wasn't your show, one of your shows in Edinburgh, if I remember correctly, called Don't Put That Sausage in Your Mouth, Mrs Worthington? That's that, correct, yes. yes. There's another oh, one, that was, uh, called yeah. Me Nuts, uh, Mrs. You Split the Packet was another one. Um, <laughs> it, we did sketch comedy and we had great fun with yeah. it and we did uh, played two characters called Jack and Harry. Um, oh, yes, yes, of who, uh, and performed a lot on the, circuit, on the comedy circuit very we successfully. Did. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose in a way, at the end of uh, when Phil got a job as a um, BBC radio producer mm. and so that sort of brought an end to that particular chapter of being in a comedy double act and I was very uh, very unhappy about it I suppose so somebody's uh, trying to get in I yeah, think so uh, film maybe wants to get film back might be tough, yeah, yeah. no but I was very unhappy about it so it was but huge was actually a very good uh, therapeutic way of processing the um, the, the thoughts about yeah. what had been achieved with it as a, as a double act with yeah. With uh, with Phil was Phil your Simon Godley then to Ben? Are you saying was he or your? He were, well, actually, fun enough, the main character. Really? Well, he was. Uh, yeah, I suppose yes. I suppose Phil would have been in that in that sort of bromance kind of way. Phil would have been my uh, my first uh, comedy love. Yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And uh, he now Phil, of course, uh, exec producer Peep Show and. Mm. Uh, all, all sorts of shows. He did the, the, the paedophilia sort of one that Chris Morris oh, brought Oh, yes, yes, that's right, yeah. So, uh, but, so his kind of double up. act days have kind of finished, but you, you, you're, I mean, you, you've worked with um, a lot with Griff Reese jones haven't you? you? I did, well, after doing uh, the play with, uh, with, with uh, Ben uh, ages ago, Ben, um, yeah, we did different things, you know, you talk about uh, different partnerships splitting up and stuff, you're mm-hmm. talking about uh, David Williams and, you know, Matt Lucas and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's a 
uh, I think that all of these, that you're either in a sort of kind of open comedy relationship or you're in a kind of Anton Deck situation where you're sort of kind of joined at the hip and mm. something slightly, there's something slightly, I, th- I don't know, there's, there's something very nice about it. You want, you know, Laurel and Hardy to always be together, sleep mm. together, you know, all that, all that sort of thing. But you, uh, um, the idea that people go off and do projects, um, I would say that Ben, yeah, Ben was, uh, it was a just totally different thing when he worked with Ben. Mm. Um, Griff Reese Jones, Mel Smith, it was great to go and write, write with them for a period of time because um, uh, it, it's like getting a, it's like snooping in on someone else's relationship. You know, you uh, it's much funnier sort of, you know, winding each of them up, you know, to find out their weak points and find they're the points that often are the biggest comic uh, beats in a comedy relationship. Mm. How do you interpret then the uh, the Lucas Williams relationship? Yeah, I, I think it's very... Uh, I think after a while you either get to a point where you're very successful and you think, well... I don't know, but I feel I'm carrying all the weight. You know, I'm the funny one here. Um, I've, I've got to, you know, I always come up with the good... I think there can be an element where you need to go out and a bit of sort of um, wiggle your own comedy banana on your own for a bit. And, uh, but I think that ultimately, uh, I imagine that they'll probably, they've known each other for a long time. It's been a very mm. long comedy partnership. Mm. And um, my interpretation of it is probably just what it, it is on face values that they, you know, they, okay... They could be sick to death of each other, but well, the reality is, for years, isn't they? They toured for about two years solidly yeah. all around the world, doing yeah. those Little Britain yeah, characters. But they're both, you know, they're both very funny individually as well. You know, mm. and I suppose yeah, you, yeah. you've got a this part of you that you know that would, I'm sure they want to go and explore that. So right, why yeah. not? I'm sure you know, they'll, yeah. you know, the two Ronnies got back together again, didn't they? That's the, true. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And uh, I mean, in a sense, that's kind of going back to what you were saying about at the very beginning about mm. how you th- you think you're the funniest person in mm. the world, and then suddenly you you go out there and you find, ah, right, there are people not only who are as funny as me, but a lot funnier as well. And you, it's a sort of reality moment. And it's it a, maybe is. A, you go from the, the comfort of the double act that. You know, that maybe you suddenly you almost have to go out again and prove actually, yeah, I'm I'm still funny. Is there something? To well, I think that's it. No, I think that is uh, mm. that's that's true. Yeah, that's true. And you know, it gives you a chance to sort of develop your, you know, without getting too sort of uh, sort of pretentious about it, which I'm now about to. But I, I think <laughs> it gives you a chance to develop your own comedy voice and your own comedy persona. You know. Uh, I'm sure Griff didn't talk like that for the whole of his life. You know, he didn't. Uh, yeah. It's just that sometimes, after what years of, you develop you develop a, a comedy voice. I think mm. most comedians that you watch on television that you see the way they speak, they didn't mm. always talk like that. Yeah, I, I know we could probably go through lists of people who so I've been seeing for a few years, and suddenly, suddenly they talk like that because yeah. that's how they uh, deliver their lines. You know, found a a rhythm or a way of yeah, doing yeah. stuff. Just sort of going back to the, the, the film again, were you involved Were you involved much in the actual filming process? I, I was. I basically, uh, it was very exciting. I mean, um, once we got the, uh, you know, it, it, once we, we got the thing going, I was for, I, we made a decision that everyone who played a comedian, uh, whether they were well-known or unknown, should be a comedian. So I was very involved in getting, trying to persuade people to come in and do 
do very little, <laughs> but to sort of come in and give it a, a kind of sense of authenticity. That was that was. Do you, a, do you have many big name comedians um, in? The there are some big name comedians. There's some, you know, there's some huge name comedians in it. In a uh-huh. way, I don't know if I should rattle off the, but you know, rattle away. Oh, well, there's uh, there's you some want people to come and see this. Exactly. Well, Eddie Izzard, <laughs> Harry Hill, Jack D, Joe Brand, Alan Davis, Ronnie uh-huh. Ancona, Hattie Hayridge. Liam K. Amos, um, Nick Revel, um, Simon Day. And they all did they all do just little bits of their acts. Or? They all got no, they didn't actually. They, they some of them, the ones who were well known, the names of the but there were two groups of there were sort of you could say that there are sort of two groups of comedians. There are comedians who have had um, you could say this kind of mirrors me and Ben in some ways. <laughs> I might as well say it is that uh, you have those who've had a huge amount of success and. Some who are really, really funny, who've never quite been able to cross that that line of either being acceptable on television, or they're not together enough to sort of, or they don't play the game, or they say what they think, offend too many people, and suddenly they're never going to get booked again by mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. So it was nice to be able to include a range of everyone, and some of the people who are less well known, they'll be known to comedy people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comedians who are less well known are, are stars as well, and mm. really some of the funniest people yeah. um, around. And uh, you, you know, uh, the people who uh, mm. haven't got the, the size of fame of the other people, like you know, Ronnie Gold, mm-hmm. Otis Cannelloni, John Corn, right? Yeah, yeah. Earl Oakin, the stalwarts, the stalwarts, the stalwarts who have got yeah. you know, now got this amazing experience behind him. So yeah. that that helped yeah. having them in it. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, you certainly you, you compare yourself unfavourably. To Ben, in terms of the sort of fame thing, but I can't think of any, many people who've had a more kind of interesting career path than you. I, mean, I think about some of the uh, sitcoms that you performed in, for instance. You were in, you were in Paris, weren't you? The uh, original the, Linehan Matthews absolutely. sitcom, absolutely, it was, uh, which went on Channel Four, and then mysteriously, halfway through, they decided to put it on at about one in the morning or something. To, so it never quite, it never, it was a, it had some great. I was Pilo, the artist with the lift. Right. That was my uh, yeah uh-huh. my thing in there. There was yeah. another series I did. Uh, I, I could go through a series of ones that have that I've done that have done one series and then been sort of <laughs> suddenly disappeared. There's one great one which I really and I enjoyed all of them. Of course, yeah. <laughs> it was my taste complete opposite to the rest of the universe. But um, Lazarus and Dingwall it was a, a vehicle written by Vicky Paul who did Greenwing and Kim Fuller. Yeah, it was written for the Oblivion Boys, Mark mm-hmm. Arden and Steve Frost. Which was a kind of was a bit like sort of naked gun, I suppose, or, or you know, in the, it was again full of puns. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember it. And yeah. unfortunately, and it was very exciting. We we uh, we, we filmed it. Um, I was in a kind of double act with uh, Neil Malarkey at the time, so right. he was playing clothes one, and I was playing clothes two. And most of our conversation was discussing what kind of clothes we were going to wear <laughs> as plain clothes. Plain, I was made your own plane. Right, but yeah. that went out opposite the nine o'clock news the day the Gulf War started, the first <laughs> Gulf War. And it's very, very difficult to get decent ratings when you've got fantastic shots of collateral damage and Scud missiles, you know, <laughs> targeted and you know, animations to go with it and stuff. So okay. that's that's a couple of those. And then there was one called Get Real, yeah, which was that. originally which is on ITV, which was originally a vehicle for Alan Davis, mm-hmm. and it was co-written by a bloke called Paul Waite. And it was a it was a kind of they were trying to do I suppose in some ways they were trying to think of doing a a kind Seinfeld, of version of Seinfeldy friends thing. This yeah. is what we were talking about before about the 
difficulty trying to get an idea when people are pitching it. I'm sure they're saying they've got a great idea. It's a cross between Seinfeld and Friends. Oh, that's good. We'll do that. And then you name a few famous people who've got in it, and then kabam, it's it's been commissioned. Yeah. Um, but that did one series. Um, and I, and I suppose it's again it's one of those things that you you never know. You're talking about this new series that you're talking about that sort of um, mix, sort of there's always mixed reviews with a few things. It sometimes takes the second series for people to get into the stride. But I wonder about the audience uh, sitcom you mentioned. You mm. know, you've done a lot of audience sitcom, and and, and it is um, it, it is challenging, isn't it? I mean, Channel Four. Uh, have the it crowd ITV have more or less given up on the audience sitcom so it, it's, it's, it's sort of left to the BBC you know, mm. isn't it and they are it's the hardest to get hardest thing to it's get right absolutely I agree it's the hardest to get right Vivian what? on the last podcast was saying she thinks that, that its days are numbered but I don't, I don't know last word from I think that every time yeah. that someone says anyone's anything's days are numbered that's normally when there's a sort of revolution and something fantastic comes along which just reinvents it again so I I, I don't know it may be you know if if it's days are numbered, as in all the if you list all the bad ones have been put together, that their days are numbered. Well, they've gone now; they don't exist. Mm. But I think um, I think the difficulty is that there were stages where they were looking at stand-ups. They thought maybe the stand-ups would provide the holy grail for um, sitcoms, in that you'd have performers that could deliver a funny line. They knew how to, you know, the rhythm of the line, and they could say it in a way that it sounds like you're just saying it, as opposed to some actors that weren't experienced in comedy that would over egg the pudding and deliver you could sort of see the gag coming a mile before and as they delivered it it was it was just like watching a car crash just very painful yeah. to watch and um, and I think they hoped that somehow they would get stand-ups they'd give them a stand-up vehicle sitcom yeah. thing, there was one called Sean Show that I did which which was on Channel oh, 4. Oh yes, I remember after, but, after Sean Hughes after he won his Perrier well, award, and, didn't he? And that was it. Wasn't a bad attempt. It, and it, it was, was a sort of deconstruction, wasn't it? It was in some ways, I suppose. The difficulties you kind of then need someone to sort of guide. You know, stand up yeah. has watched everything that we've all watched. Yeah. You, you need sort of teams of people to sort of guide you yeah. through it a bit, um, and then you have the people that completely just break the mold completely in it. Uh, mm. um, um, I, yeah, in Sean's one, they tried to bring down the fourth wall. He would yeah. talk to the talk to the camera. That was yeah, the, uh, sort of Gary Shandling like, wasn't it? it was yeah, a bit like Gary Shandling. I mean, Aaron, uh, you you watch a lot of audience sitcom, I know, and you. Yeah. you uh, I mean, what what do you think? Do you think it stays a number? I'd certainly hope not. Um, I I think there's always going to be an appetite for it. Clearly, at the moment, I think perhaps more behind the scenes than. In front of the screens, there is an appetite away from it. Uh, as we've already mentioned, there's a hell of a lot of panel shows. and Which are a lot cheaper and a lot more indeed, guaranteed. Indeed. You guarantee that some, yeah. a comedian will do what they do very well and make, tell jokes yeah, um, are, and get laughs. Yeah, there are also quite a lot of uh, sketch shows. Um, back and forth at the moment and of course recently we've seen the rise of the television stand-up series mm. things like Live at the Apollo and uh, Michael McIntyre's Comedy Roadshow audience sitcom uh, I think it I, th- I think frankly it's struggled for a number of reasons over the past decade I think shows like Not Going Out clearly have some indication that it is not a not a dead genre of comedy and that there are still plenty of 
ideas flowing around, but the cost against other types of programs, the sheer time that has mm. to go into uh, producing a, a sitcom as opposed to just a few writers for a few yeah. hours for a topical satire. Mm. It's, it's. No, no, I was just going to say, I suppose the only thing is during the sort of times where sort of things seem, seem to have gone a bit, you know, either gone dead a bit or uh, people talk, even talk about the death of sitcom, you know, at the moment, most people have got mobile phones with, with cameras in. There's, there's going to be a mo- moment where there are people at the moment get so sick of, you know, there's the okay, BBC buildings have developed in some flats or whatever. I, I mean, I make jokes about it being knocked down, who cares anyway? But I do, I feel like you, Dave, I feel, you know, very mixed emotions about the thing. But at the same time, there are people growing up with access to technology and things that we don't even know quite how we're going to use that. And it may be that the sitcom format, may it may be that it changes, it morphs into something slightly different. It might be that groups of people, in the same way when we were doing stand-up and it was just, let's just get a room, let's just get a microphone, let's just do it here and now. That mentality of putting stuff together, all the all the barriers that get in the way of oh, it's, it's very expensive. Of course, a good sitcom costs I know whatever it is, half a million or quarter of a million to make each episode. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the, the, obviously people are looking at things being made cheaply. I think things are going to shift, and it might be that uh, the sitcom as we know it maybe is. Uh, is uh, just going to change into something yeah. else. Yeah, yes. I would hope I so. Think so. I hope so too. We'll see. There's the uh, the sitcom mission, actually, the finals of the sitcom mission, which have been running for a few years, which um, is, is uh, running in London at the moment. That's, that's taking place at the end of July. We'll talk a bit about that in our next episode. Thanks very much, Aaron, and thanks again, Simon, for coming in. And you Lovely. better go and... It's uh, been my pleasure, yes. the uh, out that huge, now. No, I will, I'll, I'll do that. And Huge comes out on the 8th of July uh, in cinemas uh, up and down the country. It opens at the uh, Empire Leicester Square. Ooh, so we've got a very uh, exciting... Have you got a big posh opening with... Uh, we've got a posh-ish uh, opening, um... Um, Leicester Square's under redevelopment at the moment. Yes, exactly. So. That's so. It's kind of been, a, <laughs> which it's is been why bit, everything's been at Westfield. Well, I know it's. I know it seemed very sort of hilarious that the one time suddenly you've hit the one big. This is it. We're going to get on the surfboard and go. Mm. We're going to have the um, the um, the big premiere in uh, Leicester Square, and it's all under development. So, um, nevertheless, it'll be out, and uh, there's a you know, the, people can find out where it is on the on the website. Okay. www hugethemovie.co.uk Thanks very much Simon uh, Simon Godley who is the uh, co-creator of Huge and um, thanks again Aaron as well in two weeks time we shall have John Finnamore the writer, creator and star of Cabin Pressure Radio 4 brilliant sitcom he's going to be joining us Simon, Aaron, thanks very much